0: The journal is brought to you by Treason Don't just blend Become Splitting image taxidermy Thoughtful Thorough Thankful Maxis tires Covering PH's Over any terrain Magnum archery Black widow broadheads Always deadly Carbon Core Arrows 100% premium carbon pH toolbox helping you make your own adventure. How's it, guys? So, as mentioned before, uh, I'm joined with, like I said, not just a friend anymore, it's a family member, Mr. Pat Dugan. Uh, Pat, man, last time this year. We were doing it all back in South Africa, and now I'm doing it here in the beautiful little town of Prescott, Arizona.
1: Yeah, finally from the right side of the world here. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> I've been learning to drive on the wrong side of the road as well. It's been a hell of a journey to try and adapt to it, but I think I think towards the end, I've kind of mastered it. Well, I don't know,
1: is, is, the, left, is the left turn still the same on this side of the world as it is down there? <laughs> I, went <to> the,
0: <laughs> I went to the gym the other day and... I've pulled out, you know, it's got that V outside the gym yeah. and I pulled out on the left hand side and this guy was like waiting and I was waiting for him to come in and he was like flashing me and going off and I was like, oh man, I'm on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> 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 but anyway, <clears throat> it's been good fun. Uh, one one thing that's pretty cool about the whole driving on the wrong side of the road and it's something I've always mentioned in my videos and stuff that I do online It's about changing the perspective, you know, changing perspective about, I think sometimes we get a little bit complacent in in life and in our journeys and changing the perspective and getting out of your comfort zones, not only an adventure, but it's, it's, it opens, it opens your eyes up to a whole new possibilities and it's a pretty cool thing
1: possibilities and perspectives uh, you know <clears throat> that's kind of the thing that's why I always love to travel so much is not just for the hunting, not just for the mm-hmm. fishing but to see how the rest of the world lives. you know you, you know you being here for the last almost month now, <clears throat> we've talked about this time and time again you know buying buying something on this side of the world versus buying something mm-hmm. over there you know your VAT tax, which would be our sales tax on this side um, the differences you know 20, 21 22 percent for you at home, you know, and that's after whoever imports what product you're buying, yeah. um, for all purposes intended, gets raped bringing it in, mm-hmm. paying a, a super high duty coming in, and then you having to pay the that VAT tax on top of it. I mean, when you literally see at the gun store in Queenstown, uh, a set of binoculars that we would buy here off the shelf for 250 bucks, they wanted the equivalent of 2,000 yeah. American dollars mm-hmm. on the shelf, and and it's like. Gosh, they're not even that good. You know, they're a, a, an okay pair, mm. but they weren't ever meant to be a two thousand dollar pair of binoculars. So perspective is always good for everybody to to learn, and that's kind of always why I say for people if they're going to come and they're going to take the time to go someplace else in the world, take the time to travel a little bit. Mm. Go, <laughs> I don't, I I can't even begin to tell you, you know, Luis with Spain Safaris, you. Um, multitudes of other client, or excuse me, PHs that have hunted me around the world, they get, they get upset and they're like, well, why, why do you want to go to a, why do you want to go to a store? Mm. Why would you want to go to a grocery store? Mm. Because I want to see what your products are and I want to see how you all live. What, what's the norm for you? What's the norm for us? And, and it allows us to learn that perspective and perspective is when you walk that mile in somebody else's shoes you, you get a full grip of what their life is like. So,
0: yeah. And I think it, I I mean, I think you touched on a very important point there and and it was, I think that's what COVID should have taught a lot of professional hunters. It certainly taught me that, you know, value the smaller things. Um, because often what happens is we get, we get caught up in the industry and you know, it's go, go, go. And it seems like everything's jam packed. Guys are coming out for seven days safaris and, I'll never forget it. <clears throat> One of the first hunts in my uh, uh, last season, and it was Chris Triggers, he he stopped me and he said, no, 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 I just want to have a look at that bird quickly. And it was a little hoopoo, something I've taken for granted for <clears throat> many, many years. And it sort of reminded me to go back to that, that, that space I was at when we did our hunt in January, you know, appreciating what can very quickly... T- be taken away from us Hmm. and trying to appreciate the smaller things that actually matter and i'll never forget that but before we we missed the topic here pat perspective and traveling i wanted to to touch on that because you know getting here was certainly not easy um i think i think greg was a very brave man to play the lottery on on our airplane tickets by holding them for until the last minute, until Biden opened up. But um, the travel, surprisingly, other than the distance, it, it really wasn't bad. And I know from my, from my perspective, to try and understand that is is kind of important because you understand what your clients are going through to get to South Africa. But I want them to hear it from you that it's... it's I can't believe it wouldn't doing all these shows, how many people are actually still afraid to travel. And it's not because of the virus. It's more it's more because of the inconvenience of wearing a mask and doing that sort of stuff. It really isn't that bad at the end of the day. It's
1: not. I mean, you know, for, for the anti-maskers, the anti-vaxxers, and, you know, in general, I think the majority of it is just the fact that most Americans are generally displeased with the fact that somebody is telling us we have to do something mm. um, in America with our constitution, nobody, nobody has to do anything. Um, and and I think that's really where a lot of that came into. And then, you know, you couple that with the fact that you go ahead and take the vaccine, you wear the mask, you know um, you still get sick and you still almost die. You know, that that's something, you know, and now, you know you you heard me get a little ruckus with some people in Vegas and you know what what why do i need to wear the mask what good does it do i did i took your vaccine uh-huh. you know for me to travel through europe when this first came out and they opened up travel you had to have a vaccine well now the european union is actually saying well they're recognizing the fact that it's not doing any good yeah um and they're backing off of that that mandate and saying, "Look, just have a, a negative COVID test, and and we're we're yeah. we're happy with that." So, you know, that portion of it, yes. The mask, it's it's really not that big a deal. Just just change the mask out. You know, that's the biggest thing because if you don't change your mask out often enough, you know, you really are going to keep breathing that that same moist air, and it's going to give you a little bit of a cough and a little bit of a you know a sore throat when you finally reach the destination, but. Ultimately, you know, fi- fi- find the rules to get around it. You know, their rules say, you know, jump on the plane and, and while you're eating and while you're drinking, you can have your mask off. Well, buy a 10-pound bag of gummy bears. <laughs> so, and as long as you're eating, you don't have to have the mask on. And, and you know, that's taken a bit far. But seriously, it's it's not that difficult. I mean, you know, we've we've all been patient enough here in the United States and throughout the world that we wear the mask. We have we've know, know we've been wearing the mask mm. in the stores and, you know, you go into government buildings and you have to have the mask on and we've had the mask on for hours at a time and stuff. Yes, this, if you fly, for me, you know, I have to go from Phoenix to Newark or Atlanta, uh, Dulles mm. to get a straight through flight or... I can fly from Phoenix into someplace in, in Qatar, the, in, yeah, yeah, I can fly to Qatar. I can fly Amsterdam. <clears throat> I can fly London, any of those. Yeah, And I can break that flight up into some different, uh, time zones and things like that to where it isn't just a straight 15 hour shot, which to be honest with you really is kind of the way to go. Both of them have advantages. Both of them have a disadvantages. Um, I have found at times that I just want to be the heck off a plane. So 15 hours can get a little grueling. The beautiful part is, is that, you know, you take off generally from the United States at about six or seven o'clock in the afternoon. Um, You get up in the air, they give you your food, you have a TV in the back of every seat, whether you're in economy or if you're in the pods or the cubicles or whatever you're flying in and you have your own TV, you have your own space and just put your headphones on, put your mask on and watch TV. You know, and then in after an hour or so, tip your seat back, go to sleep. You'll be asleep for hopefully six to eight hours, you know, and by the time you've, you've eaten dinner and everything, now you're talking close to 10 hours. When you wake up, you're in it for another five hours. Big deal. Uh-huh. Big deal. Get to the next airport. You know, obviously, you're still going to have to wear that mask in the airport because, God bless them, that's what they want. Uh-huh. So go get checked in. You know, you go through the... The customs and whatnot, and go check back in, and you know you're going to have a few hours in between. Go outside. Mm. Well, there's there's no rule that says you can't walk outside. They just are going to tell you 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 know if you're going to come back in, you have to go through this door, not through this door, because they're trying to keep people coming out and people going in at a at a safe distance from each other. Walk outside. If you smoke, smoke a cigarette. If you don't smoke. Then just go outside, sit down, and enjoy some fresh air for once. And then go back inside, catch your next flight. You're on the next flight for an hour to East London, and then once you're at East London, Now, there is a bit of enough. a
0: layover. So depending which flight you take, the if you fly on the direct flight, the you'll nine times out of ten you'll land in the evening, so you'll have to sleep over. Yeah. So <clears throat> let's chat a little bit about that quickly. First things first. It's definitely it's not mandatory mandatory to have a vaccine to get into South Africa. It is not. No. Nor is it to get into America. Am no, I Correct. It is not. So, <clears throat> from a South African perspective, you need to have your PCR test seventy two hours before departure, and before you you disembark from South Africa, it needs to be twenty four hours. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean, our COVID test results, we normally go in at 8 o'clock in the morning. By 10 o'clock at night, we've got our results back in South Africa. Yep. So, there's really, really nothing. All the excuses and all of that sort of stuff that I've heard at the shows. Oh, no. Well, I've got to get vaccinated. I've got to do this. You know, now that the cutoff's 24 hours and all this sort of stuff. It's really nothing that we haven't done before. I mean, we've been doing this for for a whole year now. Sure. So, I mean… All those sort of excuses <clears throat> what it does what it does just add is it actually doesn't add anything It's just that's, about, that's uh, about a trip it.
1: to town that's really yeah. it. it. It's one little extra trip to town because you have to run into Queenstown to get that yeah. test on the way back and I don't I don't know that uh, coming from essayed back to America is 24 hours anymore I, did you guys have to have the 24 yeah, hour coming 24 this time hours, yeah. okay so yeah. it's still 24. they
0: changed it now on the second time that they okay. shut us out but I mean <clears throat> what, what I did want to say is is that um the only inconvenience is with uh, depends how you look at it is that you might just need to I would recommend you adding a day or two extra into your hunting days for sure because you know normally if you're coming out for a seven day hunting <clears throat> seven day hunting day uh, period you you normally lose about half a day on the seventh day because or on the sixth day because you're going in for your vaccine, yeah. uh, your
1: COVID test, COVID test, PCR test. So maybe just <clears throat> consider adding an extra day. Um. Well, and you know my feelings about that anyway is that yeah. you know I, for the life of me, um, I don't know that I'm going to travel that far to do a five day hunt. Yeah. Um, I even at, I, we did the seven day hunt once good Lord above. I would never do that again in my lifetime. You know, you really don't. Yeah. You've heard me talk to people. And again, this is one of the things, you know, I helped you guys in the booth and you know, I I have plans to do the the show in Scottsdale and things like that. And and one of the things that I tell people is look, I I am not making any money. I don't, I don't get paid any amount of money. I don't want to make any money. All I want to do is help my friends sell some hunts and I want to help my fellow Americans discover
0: Mm.
1: a whole nother area. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a gratification that comes with that. And I don't get paid. I get paid nothing. Mm. And in the long run, I'm losing in the, mm. on this deal. And, and I'm okay with that because I, as long as I'm helping sell hunts, you guys will always be there. And as long as I'm matching up new Americans to come and do this... It's, it's bringing more people to the table to understand the whole hunting and conservation and around the world. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's a biggie to me is the, the, the huge part of the conservation. But <clears throat> I've always said a 10 day minimum, 10 days, because if you do a seven day hunt, you, the jet lag is there for the first two and, and God help you. It's not there the third day. Yeah, you know, if maybe you can finally start to feel good that third day, well, guess what? You got four and five, and then you got to start worrying about going home. Six and seven, it becomes, well, oh man, now, now you're starting to get that 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 drag and that yeah. that guttural yeah. punch in the stomach uh. that says, you know, I gotta leave now. Uh. You know, where if you do the ten day hunt, and and me personally, my favorite, it's twelve days. Yeah. You, you know, we've been there fourteen because. Uh, we kind of got stuck there a little bit Yeah. <laughs> thanks to Amsterdam changing their rules at the last yeah. minute. We ended up having mm-hmm. to fly through a different couple places, but um, we may do, you know, and, and um, I do, I do honestly say that 14 days can be, it's almost like two days too much. 12 yeah. is the perfect amount of time, you know, to me, 10 would be, you know, that pushing it smallest amount of time that I would want to spend out of country 12 being the most. And, and it just seems to fit. It allows you to relax. It allows you to do that that little Pat Dugan thing where we just go for a ride <laughs> and we relax and And the perspective and, and again, this all comes back into perspective because what what do you take in when you're relaxed? When you feel good and you know that you're not rushed to do something, yeah you're allowed to, look back in January, you know the little yellow bird that we found on the fences down by Coral Brook. You know, we stopped what we were there an hour trying to get pictures of this, this little tiny yellow bird and, and he's rushing around and there's, you know, four or five females that are rushing around and a few more of the males came in. It was spectacular. And, and it wasn't that we were, we weren't burning any time to go push the hunt but we were allowed to take a moment to be human and just observe something.
0: Yeah, but I mean January was a special time because
1: <clears throat> well there was and, nobody there, so <laughs> and it it did feel like we
0: kind of pushed but had a good time at the same time. Yes. You know, like the the places we got to see doing the bushback down at the coast in Port Alfred were, and we did the kraeisback, we stayed over there, it was mm-hmm. beautiful. Uh Willowmore you know, yep. we, we all, we almost seemed like we were pushed into those, those positions, but with, with time, with enough time. You yes.
1: Know? So it wasn't, we, uh, we did a massive amount in that, in that yeah, time, yeah, a yeah, massive yeah. amount yeah. in that time, you know, and, and I will agree. It, it did seem like we were pushing and we, and we did push to get to the next location, but once we were at the next location, we had time to rest. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, we were allowed yeah. to take it all in. I mean, we literally set up under a tree and you know at a picnic table for goodness sakes on on the uniondale property mm-hmm. and and take a shot at a springbuck yeah. you know i mean it's it's those little things um and then and then just an hour later you guys tracked out to to take a zebra yeah. with asha you know i mean it we just had we had enough time to be relaxed at every stop yeah. and that included, you know, being able to go to St. Francis and spend a couple of days at the, the St. Francis house and things like that. Um, you know, I would say the really only fast push day that we had was when the day we landed, because we literally landed, yeah. you grabbed us and we're like, why aren't you in your hunting clothes? <laughs> uh, I thought you were joking. He said, no, no. no. And, in three hours we're going to be hunting. So yeah. I found myself changing into hunting clothes, uh, beside a barn <laughs> so we could go Oraby hunting, which, um, was, was exhilarating because obviously number one, that was one of my tiny 10 that mm-hmm. I was super stoked to actually, actually be able to obtain a tag. And that was only because there was nobody there mm. and we still had a day or two left in December or in, well, I shouldn't say that not in December, but in, in 2020, so the tags for 2020 were still mm. open, so we were able to obtain that tag and use that tag for that hunt. But uh, you know, um, it really wasn't it wasn't that um, it wasn't that hard of a hunt. Um, and I, you know, again, that's one of those perspective things. When when you see an animal that doesn't get hunted as much, they they aren't as wary mm. as as some of the others. You know, mm. some of these animals, they they even they even think you're coming, they're they're running a hundred miles an hour mm. away from you. Um, so, you know, we hunted that. We went out, we took that that one quick stalk on the the, the blue diker. Yeah, that little drop we did there. Yeah. And then unfortunately Rob's dogs ran the other direction. <laughs> so <laughs> by the way, don't don't get a basset hound. Uh, I I guess they were beagles, right? <laughs> yeah, they're beagles. beagles. So yeah. Hey. They 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 were really they were really noisy but they ran the wrong direction. Yeah. So but I think he got him back a couple days later, so no big deal. (laughs) But, um, you know, like I said, you know, then after coming, we went to Uniondale after the St. Francis for two days, we went to Uniondale. We were able to go do the Clippy. Um, Yeah, beautiful, beautiful area. Um, Probably one of the nicer spots I've ever seen in South Africa, and and South Africa is still never seems to stop amazing me at the beauty that it, it beholds i mean it it truly is a, a very wonderful country in the diversity of what's there and the topography of what's there um but you, you know then we we go back from from Uniondale and we we go back to the beach asha takes a a jim dandy of a bushbuck mm. literally what 200 yards from where i shot my bushbuck you know i mean that's something it was, I think it was two years later and uh, a year and a half anyway, but um, still, you know, being able to be on the same piece of property and, 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 and having that same beautiful backdrop. And although it was a little warmer being that it was summer, um, (laughs) some of the, those who know me out there know that I'm a little bit of a larger fella. And, and uh, (sighs) you know, when you wear a coat all year round, it kind of Kinda gets a little warm for you, but but it was beautiful. Actually it actually was beautiful with the the little bit of humidity actually kinda Mm -hmm. kept you somewhat cool um, with that breeze. But shooting that, then going out and staying at that that beautiful cabin back in that Mm -hmm. canyon. That was cool. You know, taking a dip in the pool, you know, taking a nice little rest. We go back out that night and you know, we we able to hit the grist buck and the um gosh, what else we hit that night? I guess it just was the grist buck that Mm -hmm. night. Uh, we've seen a lot of other animals though. Um, hunting in the pineapple fields. Yep, yeah, hunting pineapple fields. That it's amazing how how many pineapple fields there really are there. I mean, everybody thinks that is full of pineapple yeah. fields. Well, there there's a ton of them there too. So and that, it was spectacular. I mean, you know, seeing the whole different perspective of how you do different hunts on on different animals and whatnot, and that was that truly was spectacular for me. Um, wake up the next morning, you know, we go back down and we get with the guys and, and we go do the blue diker and we ended up taking a, a, just a Jim dandy of a blue diker. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and to actually finally get to pick it up and hold it and and you know, it weighs, you know, a quarter of what a baby weighs, weighs mm-hmm. when it's brand new. I mean, it's, and to know it's an antelope is, is nuts, but, uh, it, that was fun then traveling back up to you know the the main lodge it, it we just were allowed to have fun mm. relax we still got to go out to uh, I think we went I have to think about that I, I don't think we went to Comrade in January but I do think
0: yeah. no, we did do Rocklands we did do Rocklands
1: yeah. yes we mm, <clears> so, did go that way but you can't you can't go to you can't go to SA without going to see Mama Lucy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Enjoying the beauty of Rocklands. It does get yeah. hot there though. I mean geez, Simon posted a, a picture the other day of, I think it was like forty two degrees at Rocklands. So I don't know what's that in high mm. or low hundreds in Fair enough? Yeah, about hundred and five, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh.
1: Bitter hot. Yeah. That's
0: that's Vegas kind of weather. Yeah. And it's humid and it's.
1: Yeah. Especially now with your monsoon. So. Uh
0: But that's, that's something as well. I wanted to touch base on because I mean, I just finished that hunt now in December with uh, Cody and I think, I think the season as busy as what it was. It allowed for opportunities for hunts to sort of take place when and where people could fit them in. Because obviously with COVID, added a whole bunch of like <clears throat> scatterbrains, like people uh, overbooking, overlapping, postponing, doing all that sort of thing. So people pushed it later on into the season. I mean, I've never really done a hunt in December, but let me tell you something, it was probably it was one of the prettiest hunts I've ever done because with the thunderstorms, I mean, we had fly and Uniondale, mm-hmm. the thunderstorms there, I yep. mean was beautiful. I mean it's a really special time of the year and I I I hope I definitely get to do it again and it's sort of changed like we, we keep talking about perspective. It's sort of changed my perspective on hunting season and all that sort of stuff. You are being a being a Ph you start getting more wary around that time of the year with the females with little ones and, you know, breeding stock and all that sort of stuff. You know, what what are you doing? How are you gonna manage? So you're really just looking for the oldest you possibly can as you um, should anyway yeah yeah but i mean from you you're taking extra notice in that sort of stuff and you're hunting different times you're hunting early morning late evening and that middle period of the day is just time to rest and kick back otherwise <clears throat> it's also taught me a lot about client management so you <laughs> get out there you don't want your guys overheating i mean or, or i told you about those some french clients that i had that just by the third day they were so sunstroke and sunburns and stuff they couldn't move for two days so it's definitely that's definitely taught me a lesson um something i'm still learning so so late into my career but um pat what if if there was one thing that you could take away from from the shows to share with people um something that you've picked up like a concern or something that people have worried about during the the show season, especially now. You going to what's it, Stock, Scottsdale, there? Huh?
1: Scottsdale, yep.
0: What what what's kind of message would you have to them about coming over, whether it's this this year or next year?
1: Well, the the big thing is is stop the worrying. You know, um, don't don't let <clears throat> for goodness' sakes let's let's not let the Joe Bidens and and the presidents and prime ministers from around the world who want to control our lives do just that. Stop it. Mm. You know, put the mask on, take a flight, go travel because ultimately that's what they're wanting us to do is to be locked inside of our houses so that they have the ultimate control. Stop it. Go do it. Go have fun. And, and that's what I seen. There was, there was two or three people at these shows that, had voiced big concern and said that they were not coming this year because, well, I'm just not gonna come until this mask thing is over. Well, what if this mask thing isn't over for the next five years? Mm. You know, the next variant and the next variant and the next variant and then the next disease. You know, I my honest opinion is that we're stuck with this. We're gonna be we're gonna be a masking society. Um, you have to stop and realize, man. China, China has been doing this for decades. China has been wearing masks for decades. It started in the nineties, in the early two thousands, into the teens, and now they've been wearing it. Um, well,
0: yes, Pat. When you say it like that, from from that perspective, it's it's flipping scary to. Think it is that, scary,
1: but you think that these
0: people got us by the balls, kind of thing.
1: Well, they do until we until we get the balls enough to say enough's enough. You know. And that—that's what it's going to take, whether it be a voting session or whatever it's going to be. I mean, Spain—Spain Spain right now is—is is having some pretty big riots going on. I mean, barricades being chucked at people and things at the police and and the government and all that because they're tired of it. The same things going on in Australia. The same things going on in, in multitudes of countries around the world because people want to live. That nobody—nobody should be able to tell us. When and, we can't, when and where we can't live and how we should live and, and what we can and can't do. So my point is is this. Stop letting them tell you. Stop letting them tell you and just go enjoy yourself and have some fun. And this, you know, whether you go to South Africa, you go to Spain for a Monteria in October, um, whatever it's going to be, go do it. Because ultimately you don't know. Everybody keeps hoping Everybody had high hopes for 2021. Oh, this is all going to go away. We all took a vaccine. It's all going to go away. No, nah. no, it didn't, did it? No, then, then this up popped this nice little Delta variant. Well, yours truly just about bit the dust on that one mm. after taking the vaccine and wearing the mask and socially distancing and, and dousing myself with freaking lighter fluid as a you know, That's alcohol not, for to, to, to was a
0: lot of yeah,
1: sheesh. I mean, <laughs> you're. You know, they tell you to use to use this stuff. You know, Germex and everything. Oh, it's alcohol. I'm a welder. You know, I mean, I might as well be dousing myself with a with a lighter fluid for God's sakes. You know, but (laughs) we did all that, and everybody said 2021 is going to be the change, and then everybody, you know, they uh, we dredged through 2021, and then you know, oh, 2022 is going to be the it's all going to change. Are you sure? Are you sure? I don't think so. Well, you guys, I, you guys had the chance to keep Trump in office. But well, well, it wasn't, it wasn't my <laughs> doings, pal. We, we've already had this argument. I think <laughs> we've wrestled a couple times about this. But, uh, you know, y- you're right. I mean, we ended up we, not getting the, the right president back in. And, and um, unfortunately, I don't e- – even Trump had his, had his problems with COVID. I mean, nobody knew what this was going to do. Nobody you know and i mean yeah but
0: i I, I do think it could have could have been handled in a better way because like i said to you it just scares the living shit i mean the minute america loses its mind about something small the rest of the world seems to follow i mean you guys by far the the leading the leaders in the world and now it just seems like and no offense to anyone but it just seems like you guys have lost your way a little bit so the rest of the world's losing it completely you know and it's, I'm, I'm talking. I, I agree, I agree. Let's not let's not talk too much politics. You know? Well, yeah. Well, let's talk about, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, happy times, happy times. <laughs> <laughs>
0: but let's talk about uh, your your Spain hands, the Monterrey Okay. tell me about. I mean, I've never done it. You, well,
1: well, you haven't done it yet, but I I keep saying that you're you're already booked for October. So whether you like it or not, you're coming. Um, and, uh, we're going to have a good time. I mean, a Monteria style hunt is, is it is a, it's a whole nother perspective to hunting. Um, you know, you, 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 you you grew up in a place like Arizona where, um, 99% of the time you're going to spot and stalk everything you do. Mm. You know, um, it, it starts with sitting on a hill glassing trying to find that animal find the animal you move in on the animal um you know we we would sit and um
0: so wait hang on you didn't shoot you didn't shoot anything out of the Monteria this last time you were there yeah i did did you do a monteria
1: i did a monterea two years ago
0: so this last time it you shot This two last of,
1: one in, in October shot two Ibex. I just did yeah I did the two Ibex in the Balerian Bach. In the Balerian Bach, how did they, you shoot that? Uh walking stock. Walking stock, yeah. Really. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. I thought it was so, one of those Monterey.
1: No no no, no no no. they um, because because of the vid. You know, the there, there was there was no Monteria set up because they were worried about putting a, a massive amount of people in, in small confined spaces, okay. and and I'll get to that whole ordeal, but um, um, you know, so doing doing a Monteria, you know, going back from the spot and stock and and glassing that you would do in the United States here in the Southwest, you go to the Midwest where. You build a high stand and you sit and you wait for the deer to come through on, on pre-cut trails mm-hmm. and things like that. And you food plot them to, to attract them and those kinds of things. So going to South Africa where you're jumping in a buggy and you're driving around and you're hunting from the back of the buggy. And, and you know, you you always knew that that wasn't my style. I mean, we there's a few animals you're just going to have to do it because mm-hmm. they're just too damn spooky. Um, but, again, it's a different perspective. So when you get to Spain and you do the Monteria... You you go out into the woods, and it's from 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 everything that I have been told about this is that the government comes in and they do a land study, and they tell that landowner your population of animals is too high. Huh. You need you need to back your animals down, and so he'll set up a Monteria, and a Monteria is basically you you take a a good number of guys, of people. I don't want to say guys because women hunt too. But you take a, a good group of people and you 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 line them up in a square U in a massive opening. So, I mean, you're far enough apart from each other. I suppose if you were to take very good aim, you probably could hit somebody else. But once we were in the woods, I never actually saw another hunter anywhere near me because you're spaced out far enough that the animals are driven through funnels and they they kind of predetermine where these funnels are at and they they mark these locations and they put you at these locations because the animals use those escape routes. So, so
0: the, this is all free range animals.
1: Most of the ones I did last mm-hmm. time were free range, yes. Um,
0: they don't have high fences though. They
1: do. they do have high oh, fences really? in, in Spain, yes they do. So the next Monteria is actually on a high fence. But yeah. again, the, the, the government has stepped in and said you have too many animals, so he has to do the Monteria. There's uh-huh. no, you know, he, it, it's just not sustainable. To have that group of animals on that piece of property, or they're gonna they're gonna start to decline. So you start to end up with things like chronic wasting disease and yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, you yeah. know everything else. Yeah. So
1: but you you line up in this square U and then up through the bottom of that open U, you run dogs and people up through that bottom making a lot of noise, and the animals are escaping you. And they pretty much have you set up on, on what they consider to be the escape routes. And when the animals come to you, be fast and be good. Because if you're not, you're going to miss. Um, I think I ended up taking, oh gosh, I think I ended up shooting around 12 or 13 animals um, and over three days. And I think I shot 37 times or 38 times. So they do the same job every yeah. day. Yeah, well, <clears throat> another spot. They pick another spot. Um,
0: until the quotes is taken. Until off. yeah,
1: so they, they, they actually, again, it, it's this is a very neat and and interesting ordeal. Um, when you start in the morning on a Monterey, you show up at this at this hall, and it's kind of like a little city hall, okay. and it's jam packed full of people, and you eat this traditional fried bread. And it's not like what most Americans would consider like an Indian fry bread. So they there's take local hunters in there. Yes, there is very much. Yeah, there was there was hundreds of us, and they'll chop up a bread and they fry it in olive oil with eggs and and chorizo and things like that, and you eat this because you do want it to be a very hearty meal because you're going to stand out in the woods for about the next six hours. Um, it can be cold. Most of the time, it's cool but it can be cold. And then the last day was actually extremely rainy. Hmm. Um, So we were in rain gear and whatnot as well. But so you gather into this hall, they feed you. Everybody joins in for this, this Spanish prayer of, you know, God, you know, long live God, long live queen and the king and so on to the animals and blah, blah, blah. And there's a big table laid out and there's an envelope, uh, rows of envelopes laid out on this table. And they call your name. You walk up and you draw an envelope. Okay. In that envelope is your spot. Okay. You, the, there's no name on the envelope. What you pick is your spot. So it's like a lottery. So if you pick a bad spot, it's your spot. <laughs> if you pick a good spot, it's your spot. You know, no one can tell you where these animals are going to run. They're going to run where they want to run. Um, there was a Russian gentleman that hunted with us. The last go around. Wonderful, wonderful man. Vladimir was his name was not Putin by the way. Yeah. Um, Russian. Names. Yeah. Yeah. So, Um, he, uh, the first two days, I I think only like five animals ran past this poor guy, you know, the third day, this guy shot 33 animals in one day. It's yeah, that's what he shot. shot That's not including what he missed. I mean, it just seemed like there was a, you know, a funnel that went straight towards him and that's everything ran his way. So, um, you know, that's, that's the luck of the draw, so to speak with the Monteria you know, after the Monteria is done, you do the, the hunt, these, these gatherers go out and they gather the animals and they tag them. And you, as the hunter, you go back to the, most of the time it's a barn, you mm. go back to the barn and there's a big spread of food. I mean, there's food everywhere and there's drinks everywhere. Um, and the camaraderie, even though you don't speak the same language, the camaraderie is there. Um, and just the feel of brotherhood that you will get from people you don't even know because we're all in it for the same thing yeah you know and then these guys bring in all the animals and they lay them out and and you you know you were given tags at the beginning of this deal and and i still have some of the tags i should actually dig them out and show them to you but they're little coins and they have my name on it and there's a little ribbon and they'll tie it around the horn or they'll tie it around a leg or whatever it is. So you can see what the animals were that you shot. And you, you know, you, you basically are, you know, hey, you know, this is what I shot. Come check this out, you know. And it, it gives that little, yeah. you know, pride and joy. And, you know, everybody gets a, a, a general happiness for each other. But did, um,
0: did, did they all do this through one outfitter? Throughout, yeah, yes, one so, outfitter. So the Spain safaris. Spain organize. safaris, yes. They, organize, they organize, it. organize everything.
1: They did not organize the whole event. Just the group of guys that I was with. Um, like how I said.
0: Many, how many of them were there?
1: Oh, boy. But you gave, Around 20, I think. You
0: can have up to, I think Luis said 20, yeah?
1: On this next one, we're only going to do 20, 20. Because it's on a high fence. It's a private one. Okay. And we're not wanting to bring in a lot of locals and stuff. The one the one day that we did, the first day we did the Monteria, I would say there was probably close to 100 hunters. Okay, so it was quite massive. And they didn't organize those guys. That Monteria was organized by whoever the landowner was, but we were organized by Spain Safaris with our group. So, um, you know, going back to this new Monteria, these guys are it's it's is the is the time that the government sets forth of when it's going to happen. I I do think that the red stags uh tend to follow the same rutting season as elk do, which would be more in that September, October, early part of October, not late part of October. And that's where I think this is, the rut is pretty well towards the end of it. Um, so the the genetics have been passed and now it's time to reduce some of the big big stuff off of there. And they, they even wanna take out the, the females. So, you know, like I said, you know, At this point, if everything has been bred and you, if you knock out, if uh, if there's a hundred does on that place and you knock out 20 chances are after the rut that those, those others are pretty well inseminated. Um, so you're going to get that, that offspring for the next year as well. Um, so you know, this, like I said, this is a, it's an invitation only type affair and you know, the, the guys from Spain safaris because of the time zone, um, I was the one that was actually begging for this thing to kind of happen with them over the last couple of years, and said, "Look, we need to, we need to do this with a more intimate setting of people, um, that the the language barrier isn't so so out of control." I mean, Were you the only
0: American there the first time?
1: Uh, yes, I was. Yes, I was the only American the first time.
0: <laughs> See, so you So I different. had there was actually four
1: <laughs> Russians. Um, one, one that we won't talk about too much, but, uh, he was pretty much a pig. Um, you know, a guy actually brought prostitutes to the deal thinking that we would be impressed and we were far, but yeah. anything but impressed, you know? And, uh, you know, that's just, again, that's perspective. That's other people, how other, how other people live and yeah. think, Good. but, uh, this time, this time around it's, it's a more intimate setting. There's 20 people. Um, there's 20 hunters. There's, there's 20 hunters. The, 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 the hunters can bring a wife. Um, it's, it's 450 bucks more to bring the wife. And if per you don't, day,
0: per day or for the whole thing? what's that? Per day.
1: 400, no, no. 450 total for the three, four days. Oh. So it's actually quite, I mean, it's quite affordable for the wife to come. And it's, this is the same thing as I tell anybody, anytime, anywhere. Um, do the smart thing, bring the wife with you. Um, you know we we all need our our uh, we all need our alone time without a doubt we need our man time we need our woman time um, you can choose something to do that, but when you're coming to South Africa and you're coming to Spain, the smartest thing that you can do is truly bring the wife because the next time you want to go do this you're not you're not going to be finding yourself explaining why you need to spend this much money to go do something. Mm. You're, you're going to tell your wife, Hey, I'm thinking about going back to Spain and she's going to go, when are we going? You're going to tell the wife, I'm thinking about going back to Africa. And she's going to say, when are we going? And it's much, much easier to, to do, to, to get that hunt done when there's no animosity with that hunt. Does that make sense? Um, She, she's on board too. You know, everybody's on board of why you need to spend this much money. Um, when, when they're having that fun with you as well, then, then the money, the, the amount of money you're spending isn't, doesn't seem to be an issue Mm. because you're both enjoying what's happening. Um, and I, and I always say, I mean, I've, I've talked to many, many people, bring the wife, bring the wife because next time it's not, you don't have to, you know, practice and, you know, talk in the mirror to yourself, you know, over and over rehearsing what you're going to say to the wife, while you're going to spend, you know, $6,000 to go to Spain for four days to, mm-hmm. you know, have an unlimited hunt and, mm. you know, eat this amazing food. And that, and that my friend is, that's what makes it worth more than the hunt. I, I will tell you, um, and, and you've heard me say it about, about South Africa as well. The hunting's fun. It is. But the 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 travel, Extra the, 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 the 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 outside activities that really are more, those are more important to me than the hunt itself. Um,
0: it's just because I made it more fun.
1: I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you know, being left alongside the road while I'm trying to use the, the bathroom alongside the road there because south africa doesn't have a whole lot of rest stops so to speak
0: you may be on the side of the road the, or...
1: yeah i did but you know it's like that old saying there where's the restroom they're all around just pick one you know just find a tree and pick one and you're good to go so <laughs> but uh you know getting to travel around and, and see all the awesomeness that that has been created especially in old countries, old countries, South Africa Fort for Beaufort. I mean, my goodness, man, look, I mean, you're talking a, a British outpost from the 1860s that you guys have rebuilt and refurbished and you literally stay in history. And some people will think I'm a kook or whatever, but I promise you, um, I, I can promise you that place is haunted. Uh, is I actually, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. No, no. So yeah, no doubt a doubt. Um, there, I was staying in the main bedroom off of the dining hall and the bathroom door was was totally locked, closed. I shouldn't say locked, but it was closed. I've never seen a door open itself up all the way around 180 degrees to fold itself back up against a wall. You know, I could understand it coming unlatched, but it, it un- came unlatched and it literally moved and opened all the way back around. And I thought, huh, oh, that's interesting. How you many know,
0: gin and tonics did you have that
1: now? Not as many as I should have had. so (laughs) um yeah that that was the year i was with my dad we came out Mm. prior to do the doing the uh vow renewal for in 2019 so that was 2018 that we did that and uh you know i mean it it was pretty cool i mean it really was uh a
0: a a lot of these things and and if somebody had to say to me what, what is a pivotal moment in your hunting career that you would advise to many people and and one of them is building relationships and i say that because i honestly and i i don't mean this i mean this with with the utmost respect to my fellow outfitters and phs and stuff and as well to clients but something i've picked up recently and I should, but I shouldn't also blame the the auction system from like DSC and Safari Club and all of that sort of stuff. But there's a lot of chance takers in the industry. And when you find somebody, or or whether it be a professional hunter or a certain outfitting company that you build a relationship with, I highly recommend you keep going back to them. Without a doubt. Because I just find a lot of these guys are trying to, bounce hop between different safari companies and all that sort of stuff and buying the cheap auctions and all of that looking for a deal it's 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 a great way to try and save a bit of money but once you build a relationship you'll save money in the in the longer run anyway
1: 100 uh I, I agree with that 100 percent. because the the foolishness of of bouncing from place to place yeah you're going to save a buck or two here and there you from having a bad experience more than mm-hmm. one time yeah um and these it wasn't because i was bouncing from place to place it was simply because i i did i did try to go with somebody new that i never knew on a hunt that i had never done mm-hmm. and they wound up to be bad experiences yeah. um, when you find the guy who's going to treat you right and and do go out of his way um i i have this wonderful ph that we up getting an Orby tag for me. And I, I honestly felt like I had won a hundred million dollar Powerball, you know, you did, you did. Um, you know, so on top of having a, a wonderful guide and that has now become family, you know, um, it, it is one of those deals that you're foolish not to, to utilize that person. He's, he's, if, if he's worthwhile to hunt with that first time and you like him and you find him knowledgeable, then, then by God, use him again. Use him again and again and again. Because if, if you treat him right and he's treating you right, you will become family mm. and he will go out of his way to do the things for you that you want to do. I mean, we're, we're talking about doing, you know, some of these out-of-country experiences mm. now out of South Africa. You know, we're talking about going to Namibia and we're talking about going to mm. the Zambezi River and we're talking about mm. going to Mozambique. Um, those... If you're bouncing from place to place to place, is that guy, especially an auction deal.
0: um, It almost feels like you start from the bottom again.
1: You you, you do. And and the problem is, is that when you're you're starting with a guy at an auction, okay, he's already given that animal at a very, very, very discounted rate. Hmm. Okay. He already knows, okay, this is a loser. He's planning on you uh, shooting other animals so that he can make up the money that he's losing on that 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 first animal um and the pressure is there to do exactly that he mm-hmm. he needs to recoup that value of that animal by shooting multiple animals well last thing you want to do and again that was my first experience was the the animosity between us and in our our first ph and the guy was telling us you know you, you need to shoot this you need to shoot that you know and you could tell he was having money issues because the bank was calling him and he mm-hmm. was telling the bank, I'll have the money in a few days. I'll have the money. Well, we're, if we're the only clients there right then, mm. the money in a few days is us. Yeah. And then the pressure starts to happen. You mm. need to shoot. I mean, to literally be told, uh, I don't know, are we allowed to cuss on this at all? Yeah. Okay. So the, the guy literally stood there and told me, you need to shoot this fucking Impala because you will never see another one like this again. And if you don't shoot this, you're just a stupid fucking American. Mm. Okay. That's not a pleasant experience. Mm. You know, I don't I don't really care what your personal financials are. Mm. My personal financials are my problem too. Yeah. Keep them separate from what you're doing. And when you make it somebody else's problem, it, it, it turned into a very, a very unpleasant hunt a very unpleasant hunt so do you really want to keep doing that by by buying these auctions all the time you know i could understand if you're buying an auction item uh let's let's throw out charlie daly okay um wonderful guy him and sarah both wonderful wonderful people he loves to buy the auction that greg puts up okay well that's awesome. Okay. Mm. Cause you're buying the auction item that your friend that you hunt with mm. is putting up. So now, you know, okay, here's an animal that you're helping him because he knows who you are. He knows that, you know, if I'm going to lose it on something, I'm going to lose it on a client that, you know, that really is a return client. They respect me. They're not just a transient that's jumping from camp to camp to camp from auction to auction item, yeah. you know? Um,
0: but it also kind of hopes Craig in the long run, will, will ACR or
1: whatever, driving the price up a little bit and a little bit, just a little adding bit some sort of value yeah.
0: to the package. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly, it does. Um, but I think you know, I, I do buy auction items. Mm-hmm. I do when I see things, and and I'm yeah, a lot of people hate me because if you're going to go to a charitable event okay that 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 animal or that that product or whatever you're that's on that auction that you're bidding on was intended for one purpose it was given in hopes that we are going to raise money for whatever charity that we're 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 fighting for Mm -hmm. so why in the hell do you want to pay nothing for it Mm -hmm. let's pay something for it you know i i will go to many many events throughout the year and i will drive the price on anything i can uh Locally here, I, I mean, we talked about this. We went to the friends of the NRA in Prescott, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, one of those things is is don't don't ever challenge go, don't ever dinner. challenge me because, <laughs> especially by saying they don't have as much money as we do, so yeah. uh, they're not getting this gun. And well, for a Henry Golden Boy, that should have been about oh, I don't know, maybe around eighteen hundred bucks. He paid almost 4000 <laughs> and I made it very to- <laughs> aware that I wasn't going to back down anytime soon, and then I dumped it on him. So there you go. I raised a lot of money for the NRA that night, and I'll do the same with a lot of other animals. Sometimes I end up with them. You know, that's fine. I don't yeah. care. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the idea is that we're raising money for either A, yeah. conservation, or, you know, if it's NRA, then it's raising money to fight uh, legislation yeah. against uh, gun control, you know. So why do, why do we want to do it for nothing? Yeah. You know, so run the prices up a little bit. Don't be afraid to pay for something. Um, and in the long run, you're going to have a great time. If you continue to keep going with the same outfitter or, or pH or whatever you want to call that, that company that you're going with. And, you know, um, my goodness, man, I, I have spent, I've spent a birthday with your child, mm. um, Although I will say uh, I was reprimanded heavily on that. It's not a castle. Um, they are castles, So Cause you talk properly, I, I, I think you'd, Well, it's what you say anyway, but my English seems to be a whole lot more proper than yours. But, um, you know, that's, that's what you can build is you can build a friendship. You can build a relationship when you shed a tear and you walk away from your friend uh-huh. at the end of, of two weeks. You know that you've meant something to each other. Yeah. You know that you you shared something that neither one of you can ever get back again. Mm. And um, it it I, I kind of getting a little emotional about it myself right now because you know tomorrow you take off, you go to Phoenix, and you stay in the hotel, and then the next morning you fly out. Yeah. So you only get a limited amount of time yeah. with somebody special. And if you have a pH that's special, if you have an organization that you hunt with that is special, why in the hell do you want to go anywhere else just to save a couple hundred bucks or a couple a couple thousand bucks or whatever it is?
0: In the short, in in, the short term. In the short term. <clears throat> because in the long... One of the things we always that's been said a lot around the booth is that when the first time comes to Africa, are always going to want to come back. So you need to look at it as some sort of investment because you're investing into a safari company, into an individual, whatever the case may be for the long run. Right. Because you're going to come back. Yeah. Once, once you've tasted Africa, once you're going to keep,
1: you know, and that was the one thing that, uh, the first meathead that I had, um, as hard as he tried to ruin that for me um the draw of south africa was was something that i'll never outlive um i will never outlive that i my goal is to go back as many times as i can and and eventually even move there when i retire part-time there part-time here um and you know and God forbid, if we get too many more Bidens, I'll be living down there all the time. (laughs) Man, I'm done with this guy. So it just, um, you know, why, just why would you want to ruin something so good? Take, take that relationship and take it, keep taking it to the next level all the time. Mm. Do the first for him. Do the first for yourself. You know, Um, how many Orbe have you shot? You know, as a, as a guide, how many have you guided? Two. Two. Yeah. Who was your first? You. Okay. Pretty good privilege. Who was your first blue diker?
0: Mm. it was about four years ago. Okay. Mark. Oh, can't remember his name now.
1: Okay. Well, I kind of put you on the spot there a little yeah. bit, but you remember him, you know, you know, and and and. That's not, there's no shame in that. I mean, when we all have, you know, you start talking four years goes by and things like that. And you can remember the guy's name is Mark. You know what his face looks like. Yeah. If you met him, if you saw him right now. So I will a
0: photo of him on my phone. Yeah, yeah. You, you would
1: know who he is and yeah. you'd put a smile on your face because you shared an intimate moment. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know how many Blue Dikers you've done. You know, I know that you did one with me at the same time. And that's that was a very special moment, mm. you know. The clip springers and you know all these different things, um, you know, get into get into shoot a buffalo together. Um, some 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 scary moments, you know. I mean, having having a buffalo kind of track us there, and it was I, which I feel, I'm about ninety five percent sure, and he was wanting to have his way with us just a little bit, because um, he wasn't backing down at all. So, you know, the, the scary moments, the happy moments, the, the sad moments, the, the, the whole generality of it, um, becomes something bigger than just the hunt and, and to keep going and bouncing around, you're going to lose that. You're going to lose the camaraderie, you know, is it cool to get to go do other things? Sure. It is. When we go to Zambezi, we're going to be, we're going to be on somebody else's concession. So we're going to, we're going to meet new people there.
0: We are. Skoltz, Mark Skoltz, Sorry.
1: There you go. So there's your blue dagger. Mark Skoltz, yeah. congratulations. He remembered <laughs> your name. So, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we when we go to Zambezi, we're going to go up and go fishing. And, you know, who knows? Maybe a croc. Maybe who knows? Whatever. But we're going to meet other people at that camp. Mm. It doesn't mean that the camaraderie doesn't stop Yeah. with other people. It just means it gets... That camaraderie grows because now you also are meeting new people. You're introducing me to more people that you know as well, mm. and that 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 circle of like people gets bigger and bigger all the time. Um, that is one thing that I that I've I've grown to love, especially. I think that's why I like Fort Fort Beaufort so much, Rocklands, is that you sit outside in that fire and. Everybody gathers around, and, and PHs and cooks are cooking. their brying, which we would consider you know, basically cooking steaks no, 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 on a grill. No, no,
0: don't change it. No, don't change it. It's um,
1: well. It, it, well, people don't know what bry is. There, barbecue. Meathead. Yeah, yeah. It's not a barbecue. It's not smoked. <laughs> Texans will get after you for that, buddy. So. H. um <laughs> but, so this is what it's like on a daily basis with us folks um you know if it if we're not busting each other's stones i don't know what else we do for, you know but uh so you know to, to sit around and and you know you guys are you guys are cooking you know lamb chops or steaks up on the grill you know the coiled sausages you know kudu sausages things like that the rooster brut. Which is a grilled bread. Oh, Pat. I think I butchered it. Yeah, That's convicting. okay. Well, I don't speak your language, son. So, um.
0: I, the bread.
1: Yeah, there you go. I think exactly. But, you know. It was a good try. It was a good try. A good try. I mean, it's just the English version of Rooster bread. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I think I got Reka down though. The woman? Lekka. Lekka, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so. Um, and I heard you throwing
0: cock every now and then in the, yeah. in the booth.
1: But, um, you know, getting to sit around that fire and, 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 and the camaraderie that you get, because it's it's a smaller setting at Rocklands. Um, it only handles so many people. So you tend to you, you tend to open up that camaraderie. I, I do almost believe that that's where I met Andrew Vina. Rocklands. Was at Rocklands. I I, I don't recall a hundred percent, but I I do think that him and I it's possible. sat on the porch, um, watching animals in the valley, from Rocklands. I, it just in my mind's eye, and you have to kind of forgive me, folks, uh, because literally I did almost die from COVID this year, and it it will affect your brain. Don't let them tell you anything different because you will. I used to have an amazing memory, and I, I have a hard time remembering words and situations now. Right, right, exactly. But uh, <laughs> you know, um, but there's a lot of good people that I have met. Mm-hmm. You know, we we just you know we did a memorial for Bruce Woodward. Mm. You know, um, at the at the booth there. You know, and and you know, losing losing a member of our society. Yeah. You know, our our knit society, because these are all Hunter's Hill hunters, you know.
0: Lachmander people. Man. Exactly.
1: But we were Hunter's Hill groups. Yeah. You know. Um, it became
0: so like a community.
1: It is. It mm-hmm. is its own little community. We yeah. may not be there at the same time, but we end up, you know, you, you got Tim and Chrissy Sargent. You know, we signed them up in, in Scottsdale. Gosh, what was that? Two years ago. Uh, yeah, it had been two years ago, because. Three years ago. No, it was only two, because it would have mm-hmm. been March we, of March of 20, and then they came in 21. So they were there in June. We in 20.
0: Hmm? Yeah, we did, eh?
1: Yeah, we closed in 20, right after right the after shows. the show. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In fact, uh, the South Africans yeah. that were at the show had to, we ended up hauling booths back away from that show and storing them for the next year and a half for them, because they had to be back in country within yeah. 48 hours, or they couldn't come home, Um So you know we helped them out with that type of situation, but Chris and Chrissy and Tim Sargent came, and you know we ended up hunting.
0: Something I've seen. Sorry to interrupt you, Pat. Was how how meeting each other from different environments, and but still, like I said, having the like mindedness of one another. Because I mean, you guys have formed like your own little communication patterns and everything. It's pretty cool to see. Because I mean. You know you and andy were talking way before we even got out here for the shows and yeah you know you and and, and charlie and all of them so it's it really it's 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 cool and it and it's and it's nice to see it's 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 pleasing to see such things happen because you know often you you wonder after a safari, like you say, you don't want to just become a number at a certain place. Mm-hmm. You want to, you know, you want to have that intimacy. You want to be remembered for what it is, and <clears throat> to form a community like that away from what we actually see back at the lodge and all those sort of stuff is is something really, really unique. And I think I don't think there's a lot of outfitting companies that can say that out there,
1: which is really, really unique. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think they could not, not to the extent kudos to Greg, you know, he, he really has built a, a a concession that, you know, a a larger number of people could come through, Mm -hmm. um, at the same time Mm -hmm. building that community, you know, I've been in other concessions and other hunts and things like that around the world where... The, that concession, they do have other hunters in the camp, and you yeah. and you, you do you still develop that same camaraderie, mm. but it's just a very very small scale. Unlike Hunters Hill, where, you know, you can build a much bigger community around you yeah. and intimacy, if you will, out of that community. Mm. Um, you know, um, I, I you, you know, you always risk that chance that you're always going to have somebody in that camp, and it doesn't matter, um, no matter where you go. If even if it's just you and that ph if the guy's a bad guy Mm. it's 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 no good you know i mean so you're always going to have that chance that somebody in camp could be you know a a jackass um i mean here's the sable that the guy literally i cold rainy we take the sable Mm -hmm. tracked him for i don't know man geez we must have stalked him for probably close to two miles in the in the drizzling rain to pouring rain back to drizzling rain get a shot off on him finally and uh you know we get back to camp and it was cold and miserable so i i kind of sat in a chair next to the fire and i was camped out sleeping and a guy literally wakes me up to say Mine was bigger, <laughs> so after I held his head under the the water level out in the pool out there for just about ten minutes, he kind of gave up on telling me whose was bigger. But uh, I, I didn't really. But I felt like it. You Why know, <laughs> in the world would you wake somebody <laughs> up just to say something like that? I mean, to me, I'm more congratulatory. You know what? If you shoot something bigger than me, God bless you. Yeah, good on you. You know what? Good on you, man. Mm-hmm. You know, but at the end of the day, if that's what if if that's all you're in it for is, uh my stones are bigger than yours. Yeah. Then find something else Yeah. because it just, it, you're, you're never going to be satisfied with whatever you do in hunting. Cause by God, if somebody shoots something bigger, you're going to be destroyed. Mm. And rather than be congratulatory to them, you, you know, you're going to be destroyed inside. And that's just not, that's just not what hunting is should be about. Um, you know, and again, that's, like I said, the whole, the camaraderie and, and that's the other part, by the way, um, in case anybody hears some funny noises, that is not us um we're in my kitchen, and unfortunately, I own two french bulldogs and they <laughs> they tend to make some various noises and some very foul odors at times, so if you hear something, it's not us, it's them but yeah,
0: and, uh and the reason why we didn't put this podcast on the um on the video is because we're all sitting here in
1: our jocks no just yeah 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 <laughs> yeah <No. laughs> um. All out balls out, they say, so, um, but you know in in hunting, in life, in business, in all of it, I've always lived my life with one thing: Honesty means everything. Mm. Um, you've heard me say it. You recently heard me say it to a new hire at my shop. You've heard me say it to uh, to a business partner, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, about a gentleman who was trying to being a selling agent. Mm-hmm. And I said, I just can't be part of something that mm. is dishonest. Yeah. Um, and that's why I can't be with this said person. Um, you know, if, if you will sell your soul to sell a hunt, then... What, what will you do otherwise?
0: Yeah, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing
1: it for the wrong reasons. And, and, and not only that, but you're going to take advantage of me in another way, some way down the, rank, down the line. Yeah. If you can't be honest with me about the simplest of things, then this is just where we cut the relationship. Because there's no reason, two things in my, the, the, the only two rules in life to live by in my book when it comes to dealing with your fellow man is don't lie uh. and don't steal. That it trumps everything. Mm. it trumps everything. you can't do him dirt if if you're not going to lie to him you know what I mean Yeah because dishonesty covers all of that. If you're being dishonest in any shape or form, it is a lie. Yeah. So if you're if you're you know if you're barring your ne- your neighbor's lawnmower without him knowing it, it's dishonesty. Yeah. you're lying to him you know and that's where I think the hunting community, has gotten to a point in some of these places, and it and it it's sad to say. Uh, one of them was Texas. One one of them burned me in Texas, yeah. um, and um, it was actually quite embarrassing because I actually took two clients and my father to this to this guy, and he he burned me. He was extremely dishonest, and um, I will say at the same time. If you're going to play games like that, then unfortunately with social media nowadays, yeah. I didn't lie. I, I specifically put on the social media exactly what the man did to us. He called, he called it a lodge, and it was a 1963 mobile home that was about six inches out of level on a hill, no heat, in one of the coldest winters that Texas had had. Um, there... <sighs> He sold
0: you the experience, Patrick. Yeah, it, it was an
1: experience. It was an experience. You're right. I mean, there literally was no gas in the place, so that's why there was no heat. The guy was the the pH, if you will, um, which was one of the most dirtiest. We wouldn't... What little bit of the the food that we did eat, we didn't want to eat, but we were starving. We did not want to eat the food because he was disgustingly dirty. Um. And then, what little food we did eat was bad, and it made us all sick. Oh, yeah, that's the trip I, mean, I got sick on that. Yeah, so you, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're sitting in a in a hog stand waiting for hogs to come in at midnight, and you're you got the door open and you're chucking out the back, it's not a good experience, yeah. you know. And you know, um, that's going to happen. And and i honestly, you know, we as hunters have gotten to a point where we need, to, we need to talk to each other and we need to say, we need to, set, we need to set standards for our industry. When somebody does somebody dirt, we need to put it out there. Social media is there for a reason. We can all connect with each other. Uh, hunting for Connections is a great place to go to. You know, You can find out who's doing who dirt and who's doing people good services. I use Hunting for Connections all the time. When somebody does me a good service, I will tell you about it. And I will tell you about it multiple times. Just my experience and in, in this last time in uh, Spain, I told I told of each individual hunt and each individual trip, not even just because we weren't even hunting. Like the days that we did the traveling around and we went to these Catholic cathedrals and these presidential palaces and things like that. I, I told I told of those experiences and and I wanted people to know that, you know, Spain Safaris, uh, Luis in particular. Um I'm not saying that that Pedro or Juan Carlos aren't good guys but they haven't guided me they haven't pH me they haven't been my tour guide. Um, Luis did a fantastic job for me, you know. And and the love of his country showed in what he showed us.
0: Yeah. Because the passion came through.
1: Yeah, and and that's mm-hmm. that's where as as a hunting society we need to stop allowing these these dirtbags to come in and do these things and more importantly as a hunting community Stop the damn bickering. Mm-hmm. If one guy uses a bow and one guy uses a rifle, who cares?
0: We all there. Who for the cares? Same
1: the same. We're all there for the hunt. What tool you use does not matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, then you get the guys, you know, the Eastmans, you know, I, I'm going to throw that name out there because they are the ones that push nonstop. If it's not fair chase, don't hunt it. Oh. You mean when you got in your $100,000 rig and your, you know, your $150,000 fifth wheel and you pulled it up to the back country mm. and then you struck out and did a tent camp from there, that was fair chase? How did, you know, I, I don't remember elk having, you know, an $80,000 Dodge diesel to, to drive out to the woods. That's not fair chase. Define fair chase. You want fair chase? We should be in a loincloth with an obsidian knife. Hunting them by hand—that's fair chase. You know, fair chase is something to, to different to everybody, and each hunt is different to everybody. Stop busting each other's balls over it.
0: But, uh, I, th- I think that's definitely an issue we've we've always had as hunters. Is that, and it's it's the progression. It's the it's the whole thing. It's just it's it's crazy that we don't want to back ourselves, and while we're not backing ourselves, the the greenies are coming in and you know taking um they just taking pure opportunities out of it to to leap and we're, we're losing our touch on wildlife as such because that's the, the 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 more the more we we're focusing about ourselves bitching and moaning in between one another about our oh, tree stands this that and then the next thing The greenies are coming in the back door, and they're getting away with a hell of a lot of things. A hell of a lot of things. You just told me now that they can't import trophies into L.A. I see Europe's... uh, California. All of California. California.
1: You cannot... um, They have voted it in. I don't know when Mm -hmm. it actually takes... um, I don't know when it actually takes uh, effect, Um, but they have voted in that there is no more importation of non-domestic trophies into the state of California. So what that means is that if you're a resident of the state of California, you cannot go to, you can't go to uh, South Africa. You can't go to Spain. You can't technically, animal you bring right. back, so. technically you can't even go to Canada and kill a bighorn sheep because there are no Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep in California. Well, let me rephrase that. I don't, I don't know that there's any, Rocky Mountain bighorn sheep. I know that there are desert bighorn sheep in California, but I don't know there to be any de- any Rocky Earth Mountain sheep. bighorn sheep. I know there's I know there's no doll sheep, so they're out.
0: There's definitely no spring bucks. So. There's no, yeah,
1: well, but even even American animals, there's there's no uh, there's there's no moose in California. So is it that what that ruling that law says is that there is no non-domestic, and does that mean? Domestic to the state of California, you know, this is where they're going with it. And now they're even saying that they're trying to outlaw. And it sounds like they're going to get it done. They're going to outlaw the the possession of any trophy animal. So, in other words, it doesn't matter what you have. You're, you're, it's illegal. Couple this with uh, Colorado. Colorado is, is most likely going to make this happen on the next voting session. It will be on the ballot. It's called the ungulate bill. Um, and because people, again, this is where education comes into this whole deal. And that's why I'm saying that we as hunters need to stop bitching at each other and start working together for the common cause. We all know what an ungulate is. An ungulate is a deer. It's an elk. It's a moose. Those are ungulates. Okay? So,
0: so is bringing this yes,
1: because they brought back the wolf and the way they're sneaking the non-hunting thing in is that the animal rights activists have figured out a way, and they say, oh, look what we've done. We brought back the, elk, how, brought back the, 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 wolves. the wolves, and how great we're doing this. And, but we really need to protect these wolves. We need to protect the wolves. And right now, they're not protected enough because they have competition for food. Well, the only competition for food they have is man, the hunter. the hunter. So if the ungulate bill passes, there will be no hunting in Colorado. For deer,
0: it is elk,
1: deer, moose. There, there is a the the shire moose is in Colorado as well. And then they're going to move to the bear, and then they're going to move to the 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 sheep. It, well, sheep actually fall under uh, fall under ungulates, okay? Um, split hooves. So there's no sheep. There's nothing like that will be huntable in that state anymore. You know,
0: but, but everything I've read pet wolves and stuff they they pack animals eh? so yeah so it's not like a normal dog where a dog will kill for fun or something like that
1: no wolves will kill for fun too really yes sir the problem is Because
0: I, I remember people saying that that the deer populations dwindled since they introduced
1: massively them. massively minnesota i mean go go try to find a moose in minnesota they they wiped them out So there's
0: actually, there's no ways If they do get rid of that bull There's no ways to actually preserve elk numbers
1: No Or deer numbers No So It's free for for uh, the wolves Yellowstone, there's there's been some great studies on the Yellowstone Um, The amount of elk The elk population prior to the reintroduction of wolves To where it is now Is, I mean, it's literally in the tens Like, like, like I, I should say the single digit percentages from what it was they're just not there they're not there anymore they wiped them wiped them clean man you know and they th- the problem is is that when they reintroduce the wolves these are not the wolves that were there these are hybrids
0: from russia this is
1: yes this is it's well it's not necessarily from russia they they've tried they've crossbred these wolves with other with other wolves mm-hmm. okay these are not the wolves that were there originally you Know man did a bad thing, the man wiped out the wolves. I get it, we terrible thing, we damn near wiped out the buffalo, terrible thing. But when man touches anything thinking he's doing it better, we tend to screw it up,
0: you know. What we yeah,
1: are. if we would have just left it alone, the wolves would have actually reintroduced themselves into Montana, Eventually. uh, Idaho, all those areas, Wyoming, and so on, and worked their way south. Because the numbers would have been would have been better, and they would have been working their way down. But we we decided that we needed to play a hand in this and get these numbers up. Okay, in in a wolf pack society, and, and again, this is all from articles that I've read. I'm not, I'm no expert. Don't I don't hate mail. Okay, but from things that I have read, is that a typical wolf pack is never really over ten or twelve animals. Yeah. Okay, the main pack in Yellowstone is over thirty strong. Because there's an alpha female and an alpha male, and they they dictate how big that pack is. Okay, the alpha female will kill the pups of the other the other wolf yeah. female wolves, yeah. and that allows for them to feed her young, mm. making those those replacements stronger, and it keeps control of how big that pack can be. Um, you know, I have an uncle that, unfortunately, God rest his soul, he passed away a couple years ago. Um, he used to he used to trap wolves. You know, we're talking, you know, this is back in, you know, the 30s and 40s and things like that. Um, you're talking about a man who was born in 19, gosh, I think he was born in 1922, something of that nature. So he can remember even, you know, as a young child, his father teaching him how to trap and stuff. And he will tell you point blank, or he would have anyways, if he was still alive. The wolves that were reintroduced are not the wolves that were there; they are massively bigger than what was there originally. Massively bigger, and the 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 packs are bigger than what was there because they don't have an alpha female and alpha male to control the 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 pack. They they are growing out of control.
0: But no one's no one's. You guys can't regulate the wolf numbers.
1: Well, we're trying. I mean, well, you know, states. Tags for well, well, Montana, Idaho. I think Wyoming did it. And every time they seem to open up these these wolf hunts, they shut them down as quickly. as it, the, it, Oh yeah, the, the the, the anti hunters shut them down. Oh my God, you're killing the wolves. We kill deer. We kill elk. We kill everything all the time.
0: It's like this crazy
1: thing that we 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 create this
0: screwed up ecosystem, and now we want to screw it up more by trying to be wise, I and mean, we actually just doing more harm than yeah. anything else.
1: Well, right here in Arizona, I mean, we we have. This is a sad ordeal because we have so many mountain lions. Prescott, right here, and and specifically, there's way too many mountain lions here. Did Peanut show you that photo? Yeah, uh, that one on the driveway. Oh, the, the driveways. I mean, man, you're, you're talking. And
0: there's bobcats and there's bobcats, there's lions and, and everything. Apparently, they've been eating guys, dogs, and
1: shit. Oh guys. man, yeah, they they are. <laughs> <laughs> They're, 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 they're doing very well, (laughs) but, um, just, you know where my shop is and, and within one mile by bird's flight. Okay. There's a guy who had a ring camera system on his doorway. And I don't know if you guys know what ring system is. Basically it's a, a it's a doorbell. Yes. But it's a camera and it's a motion detector and it picks up things. There was four adult mountain lions walking up his walkway. Okay, it's in the city limits. It's in the city limits. We're not talking this. This. This this is not. This is not out of city limits. You know, this is one guy's cabin, and he's. You know, there's. We're talking about houses on lots on quarter acre lots, Mm. and there's four adult mountain lions walking up his up his sidewalk. Okay, that's you have too many cats. There's only supposed to be, according to Arizona statute. You know, and 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 studies and stuff. There's only supposed to be one mountain lion for every six square miles, and all blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, in this general vicinity, they 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 they're guesstimating that there's about 400. Okay, and, and
0: what you guys can't hunt them in there.
1: You can, you can hunt them, but 200. and here again, this is one of those deals. You know, you you get again, PHs guides, however you want to call it. They also need to be wiser too. Okay. You can try to make a million dollars off of one thing, or you can make a little bit of money off of multiple things Mm. and stay busy year round. You know, for all those months that you're feeding your dogs, that you have 30 in a pack or 40 in a pack or whatever to hunt mountain lions, and you're feeding those dogs, you know, 50 pound sacks a day. Yeah, I'm sure it is expensive. But if you only hunt five mountain lions a year because you're charging eight grand or 10 grand to do it. For God's sakes, there's mountain lions everywhere here. So you can hunt as many as you yeah, can. Yeah, drop drop your price a little bit, drop it down to 5 mm-hmm. and sh- and and hunt one a month and you're going to make more money than if you yeah. only shot a couple a year. You know, work off of that and and help get these 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 mountain lions back into a sustainable amount mm-hmm. of mountain lions. And and right now what's happening is they're wreaking havoc on the deer population, they're wreaking havoc on the uh, dogs. the dogs, the, I mean, yeah, pets, yeah, they're taking pets out left and right, man. Uh, <laughs> so know,
0: but, but you know, Pat, and, and I find it so absurd because <clears throat> just before we came out here, sorry, we're going to have to wrap up this podcast here. Yeah, I'm sure you're, yeah. and Ash and them are coming soon. but, um, uh, just quickly before we came out here, we had that big sheep sale and goat sale and stuff, mm-hmm. literally three, call it about, let's call it a week before the sale. A brown hyena came onto our property and smashed 13 goats. Didn't eat them. Just killed them for fun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you cannot get a tag to hunt that thing. And you cannot get a tag. Uh, you can't get an export permit to no matter where right. you are for for that specific animal in the US. So no one's going to hunt that animal. But let me tell you what is going to happen our surrounding neighbors wherever they may be because the brown hyena can travel as far i mean it's got such a wide circle of, of territory mm-hmm. they're going to poison that thing put it in the biggest water hole and no one's ever going to know that thing was ever there that's 100%. that's
1: the sad thing about it mm-hmm. is when <clears throat> it's going to be wasted rather than rather exactly. than utilize what's happening yeah. it's it's the same thing with the elephants man when you look at Oh, gosh. Who, who, who was it that outlawed the elephants? Was it Mozambique or Zimbabwe? No, Kenya. Ke- oh, it was Kenya. Okay. Yeah. So, so Kenya went from what? Like 30, it was like 32 or
0: 33,000 elephants. I, I, I'm going to put the photo on this podcast. I, I need to show you this photo of the elephants. There's, there's a, there was a photo taken out of a helicopter during the Great Migration of elephants. And they counted 1,700 elephants crossing the uh, Messiah plains to Kenya. Yeah, and I'm I'm going back way now. I'm probably 1960s something. We call them the olden days when yeah, the yeah. black and white photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
1: a little bit before my time too. Yeah. So don't worry but about it's it.
0: crazy. And I, I mean, I, I literally did a podcast with a good mate of mine, old Jerry King, um, when he was working um, up there in Kenya, and he was just telling me of all the photos and stuff that <clears throat> you you could see during the Great Migration was just herds and herds and herds of animals, and since they closed the hunting. Um, in the seventies, I think that mm-hmm. caused it. It's been decimated. There's nothing protecting it. Okay, so
1: it wasn't Kenya that I'm I'm speaking of. This is recent. This is in like the last like probably eight years. Um, and I gosh, I wish. And and the one that the one that we were talking about, and even Ivan Carter, was doing a big special on this deal. Okay. Um, Craig Boddington. Mm. There was like thirty-two or thirty-three thousand elephants in this estimated in this country. Mm. They outlawed the hunting of that animal, and the farmers and the locals just started slaughtering them so because they couldn't compete answer. for the feed. Mm. Okay, especially not against the elephant. Not against an elephant who is massive. De- mm. He is very. People don't want to know that an elephant is detrimental to the environment. I mean, yeah. they destroy some environment. If mm. They don't like a damn tree. They just push it over. Yeah. You know. I mean, it just is what they are. And rather than keep, you know, so these farmers, rather than being able to know that they were going to get some money from the hunting of that elephant, okay, they, they, when they were getting money from that elephant, they had a reason to protect the elephant, Mm -hmm. to protect the population. Mm -hmm. And whatever little bit of money they got off their crops was just a bonus because they were making more off Mm -hmm. of the sale of the elephant. elephant, So in the Mm -hmm. end... And we don't, it, we're not talking about wiping out the herd. We're no. just talking about taking out the one problem elephant. You know? 100%. Yeah. One problem elephant or, or even even you know two or three or whatever. Yeah. You know, if there's a herd of a 100 around there, you obviously can take one to two mm-hmm. animals a year. Yeah. Because they're they're a little bit transient as well. Another mm-hmm. one's going to come into the herd, another one's going to leave the herd. You know, it's going to move in and out. But they they stopped it and those hunt those those farmers knew right away they were like, "Man, we're screwed." 're gonna they're gonna decimate everything we have and Ivan Carter even had it on TV and he walked up as this baby elephant that was maybe maybe a year old you know um, was taking its last breath because it was shot that is not a poacher that is not a hunter that is a farmer
0: looking his land. he's
1: looking out for his land mm. there has to be a balance man. Everybody wants to put everything back in the animal's favor. It's not going to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not. That, that has gone too far away, and we have to learn to live sustainably with each other now. It isn't one or the other, but we have to figure out what that, that is. is. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Couple that, again, with education, and this is where I see the downfall. We're going we're gonna to circle this back to DSC and SCI. How many people, and I'm, I'm, I'm even talking about these people who are listening to us right now, how many people don't know that a damn rhino horn grows back? Mm. You're not told this. Mm. We're, not, we're not educated enough on this side of the world to know that a rhino horn grows back. It's basically nothing but a fingernail. Okay? If it can grow back, then why, why are we outlawing the sale of the rhino horn? The number one thing you should do is actually sell the damn rhino horn. You'd cripple the poachers immediately because you would drop all the rhino horn on the market that would drive the market price down on rhino horn. Kill the demand. The Chinamen would get their whoopty woos up, and everybody would be happy. Okay? Yeah. And you would find, like, just like they did here in the United States, we talked about this where there's a lot of these guys who have elk farms and deer farms and stuff, they're not, they're not, they don't have elk farms and deer farms for the hunting. They have elk farms and deer farms for velvet. Mm. They're cutting the horns off of these animals and they're creating velvet pills mm. because velvet is supposed to be this big natural cure for yeah. many, many things. That. So that's what they're doing. That's, oh. that's what those are about. You would find that the rhino population in 30 years would be almost unsustainable because everybody would be farming rhinos. Mm. Think about it. Every guy, every guy with 3,000 acres of land in in Africa on the African continent would be like, bring me 5 rhinos, mm. you know? Because every 3 years I'm going to be able to knock this these these two horns off of this sucker mm. and I can sell it off and everything's good. Mm. And no po- nobody's going to poach it because he already has a market for it. But it's such a small market that it doesn't demand that $50,000 payoff. Or some jackass mm-hmm. to go out there and shoot it in the middle of the damn night and cut its horn off
0: yeah. one. and the
1: animal stays alive. Mm-hmm. We know it because we've done it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You've done it. You know that you've taken, you've done it without, in, in the past few months, you guys, you, you have knocked down some rhinos in the sense of when I say knocked down, you, you have darted them. Mm-hmm. You've put them down, uh, into a deep sleep. You take the horn off, you give them the vitae dart. You give them the antidote, they get up, and they go, what the hell happened to the thing that I was just staring at here? And they run off.
0: My head's a whole lot lighter, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. And and there you go. I mean, and that's what we're having to do. We're actually having to dis- destroy an animal's natural beauty huh. because some jackass is poaching it so that some jackass can get his hoo-hawker up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's It's ignorant. And if we just learn to stop the fighting amongst the hunters and start educating people around us i i took that little bit of knowledge when i found that out i felt like the biggest idiot in the world that i was like are you serious mm. i mean man i looked at you and i said no mm. you're serious and you were like yeah it grows back and it it was i was like you're shitting me it it took me a day to finally yeah. believe you know and talking to other people that you weren't pulling my leg, mm. you know. So why in the hell don't we have them? Mm. Because we're too damn dumb fighting with each other over—is it you know? Are you a real hunter because you use a broadhead, or are you a real hunter because you use just a single blade? Oh. Is it mechanical? Is uh-huh. it you know this? Is it the yeah, out bl- of a tree stand? Yeah, out of a tree stand. You know, bl- yeah. You, are you, are you like Eddie mm. yeah. and standing in a tree, chucking you know spears at people? Yeah. You know it, it, what? What yeah. is what is most important but that, to everybody? That's, that's the
0: reason why I think a lot of us started things like the podcasting and stuff. It's not, not just to sit around a table and talk a whole bunch of shit, but it's also to try and educate people of the unknown as much as possible. But I also think, I think the biggest mistake a lot of people that don't understand hunting happens and they get caught up in the individual animal. <clears throat> so that specific rhino shedding a tear whatever the case may be, and they forget about the impact something like that has on the species. And we often want to put individual aspects out there on certain specific instances that have happened. Uh, what was, what was the famous lion? What was his name? Cecil. Cecil, Cecil the lion. Yeah. The one individual animal and yeah. we forget about the species, but
1: yeah. I and think. we've done, we've done nothing but de, done absolute detrimental damage exactly. to the lion population because of it. Yeah. So, well, I, I know we can go about this all night, man, yeah, we'll but do. I can hear your wife's aging to come home. Um, uh, that, that isn't so much the part, but I, I know at some point people are going to get tired of listening <laughs> to us. <laughs> A couple of and fools. Before
0: we close, uh, Scottsdale, you're going to do the show there. When is it? Uh how can um, the
1: people get hold of you uh okay so am i putting s- you on the spot? no 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 i, 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 I am, put your
0: details in the in the description below
1: yeah, um so i i am always available for anybody um again i i don't i don't make any money <coughs> so there's there they are yeah that's so, the dogs um there's the dogs <laughs> welcome home <laughs> 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 um but uh you know the I, I, I'm I'm not making any money at this. I just want to help as many people as I can to know that who you can trust, who you can't trust uh, in this in this game. You know, I mean, yeah. and, and I hate to say that as a game, but that kind of is what it is. Is it's turned into this game because there's a few of these putzes out there that just want to make a dollar. Yeah, and I, I'm not about making a dollar, man. I just want to I want to see people have a good time, and I want to see these wonderful places like South Africa, um, continue to stay there and and my friends be able to do the things they're doing. So, uh, sportsman's expo, international sportsman's expo, or maybe it's sportsman's international expo. I have no idea. They, something of that nature, but it's in Scottsdale. It is March 24th to the 27th. So that is a Thursday to a Sunday. Um, we'll have a booth there, uh, for Hunter's Hill. Um, I, I, will be more than happy to talk to anybody about Spain safaris at the same time. Um, I'll be happy to talk to anybody about any kind of hunt that I've done. If, if, if I've done it and you want to know, I will tell you what's, what I've done and, and what I feel is the right way, wrong way, or who to use or who not to use. Um, pick my brain, you know, it's, it's not going to take very long. I'll tell you that. Um, but, uh, come see us if you ever need to call me. Um, you know, area code 928-899-1221 is my cell phone number. Um, please, wherever you're calling from, please remember that this is Arizona time zone, (laughs) please. So, you know, don't, don't, don't call me from New York, uh, at at six o'clock your time, because you're, I'm probably going to be a little angry at you, but I'll get over it. So um just be wary of your time zones but I'm here for anybody anytime um if, if you need to know something I'll, I'll be more than happy to sit down and talk to you talk to you on the phone if it's it's what you rec- what I would recommend to do a uh travel you know for flights from from point A to point B um you know what to expect when you reach a destination point uh in a foreign country with a weapon um, I'll be more than happy to talk to you if if it's, you know, if you want to talk about what animals you should try to target, I'll be more than happy to talk to you. So, like I said, I, I'm not the world's smartest man. Um, I have a little saying: I'd rather be lucky than good, and the good Lord has blessed me in a in a way that I'm able to travel quite a few places and do quite a few things that uh, many can't. And and I know that many of you may not get the chance to do these, all the things that I've done. But if there's one thing that I have done that interests you, for goodness sakes, call me. I'm here for you. Um, I'm actually a pretty likable guy. Uh, my wife might argue with you, but I'm pretty likable guy. And I'll help you with whatever you need to. Uh, whether it be talking about, you know, what to expect for COVID uh, issues for, during flights, all that good stuff. Um, and if you need to talk to somebody else, further then I can line you up with the right people so if you you know if you get interested in doing a hunt in say Spain then I I will talk to you as much as I can and then if you want to move on from there then I'll give you the emails of Luis and Pedro and Juan Carlos and all the guys and and you can go from there and if you know you want to talk to somebody in South Africa you know again it's just harder because these are people that are in such a, a unique time zone that it's it's diff, It's it's damn near twelve hours difference between the areas that we're going. So, be respectful of that time when you're trying to contact these people, and and you know don't don't think that they're putting you off. They, they if you call them at, at you know twelve o'clock our time, you know they're sleeping. So, just understand that you just have to kind of plan it around. But, um, Dylan, love you, man. Pet man, love you too, my friend. It's been yeah.
0: an hour and. It's almost two hours
1: almost <laughs> two hours well hey of
0: pure conversation and, and, and there's still so much we didn't even touch on russia and all that sort of stuff well so yeah well we'll have to <laughs> save that for the, the for the <laughs> June.
1: there's not going to be any russia for this yeah. guy for a yeah. while because uh our good buddies putin and biden they're trying to ruin that but yeah. uh you know there's a whole lot to go and of course that again goes into politics but you know as as we can for this much this time you know this is where we'll have to call it good and yeah. um I'm just gonna to have to get myself down to South Africa, which we already know. Um, just in case anybody's listening, you know, hey, my birthday's June 23rd. I'm just my big fat 5 this year. So, if you feel like you need to buy me an animal, you know, send it, send it my way. We'll be more than happy to oblige.
0: There you are. Well, Pet <laughs> Man, thank you so much, my friend, and we'll we'll do this again in June. All right. Thank you, sir. Have a good run.
1: Bye bye.